Mad Player Podcast. As always, it's the boy Soup, joined by my brother, the Milkman. What's happening? All right, folks. Today we have a very special guest. Um, I don't even know where to start with uh, the introduction. I'll let him uh, tell you guys a little bit about himself, but it's a brother that I've been following online for a while. Um, so if you would please welcome the good brother, Kevin K.D. Dixie. No, oh, man, you're, you're too kind with your intro, brother. I appreciate that. <laughs> you're too, you're I, far too kind. I, I try, I try. So um, for those folks who may not know what you do, could you please just give us a brief rundown of who you are and what you represent, sir? Sure, I'll try, I'll try to be quick. Um, so my name is Kevin Dixie, as you just heard. I am from St. Louis, Missouri, from the northern sector, so the north side of St. Louis, Walnut Park is the hood I represent. I am, um, uh, let's see, a survivor of everything that you can about think of. If you've been in one hood, you've been in them all, right? So just imagine that. Uh, uh, to add to that, I'm a person that advocates uh, for the well-being of human beings because of where I come from, especially people that can associate with what I've been through. But those things also translate to other Americans. So I'm the founder of a program called Aiming for the Truth, uh, where we do just that. We aim for the truth um, to the get to the root of violence, what is causing violence. So we address a lot of things in society that's actually causing people to be violent based off what my life experiences taught me uh, to deal with mental illness. I was a kid that was um, uh, abused and molested and all that good old jazz and a foster care system being raised in a, the ghetto after that, it kind of does something traumatic to a kid. So um, addressing the mental illness, understanding that a lot of our young people, especially out here, but a lot of adults as well, are really suffering from that and don't realize it. They think anger is a cool thing and they don't understand it's some underlying things that are happening to drive them to the actions they're committing. Uh, helping people with literacy skills, right? So uh, get jobs, aiming for the truth has put about 117 fathers back into the lives of their children over the course of the last several years. So really kind of snapping those generational curses, uh, getting people help uh, with any kind of addiction they might have, uh, guide them to the resources for that, and being an overall mentor and life coach to a lot of individuals that need it to really make sure we can fix the machine being the human being, Thus, that human being can make their community better. Communities make better states. States make better, make a better country. So that's um, that's kind of the step with that. And I'm also a firearms instructor. So at 21 years old, I joined the St. Louis City Police Department, division called Prisoner Processing. That was my job is to deal with uh, uh, inmates or prisoners at the time, if you will. That's where I got my professional start with firearms training. When I was doing my little community outreach, and I say that lightly at 15 years old, trying to figure out how, like, how to help my friend, but I was trying, right? Um, I was also talking about civil rights a lot. This is back in the day where you actually had to go in a library and read a book. So um, doing that and taking advantage of that, being a civil rights advocate, talking about how we not only are we being better, but what foundation are we building off of and what does somebody else lay the groundwork for us to do and how we were kind of spitting in the face of that, right? So uh, being that civil rights advocate, and that's when I realized when I was talking about all the greats, you name them, I've talked about them in one way or another. Um, and then when I took the job at the city PD, that's when I realized when I got a professional introduction in the guns, that's when I kind of realized that the Second Amendment was a vital thing that could have prevented um, some of the historical um, acts, if you will, that people that look like me and other individuals as well went through. So I decided to include that into my civil rights push because there's no point of you having freedom if you can't protect it. Um, and that's what I do, man. I travel the country and I, I, I speak, whether it's helping you out with your life, helping you get along with your kids, helping you understand how to de-escalate situations where you don't have to be violent, given that, yeah, I've been there, done that, you know, type of situation and uh, life experience, uh, along with professional firearms training, kind of debunking the myth that black men with guns is a bad thing. And we can be just as professional, not only just shooting the guns, how you actually get into the business of guns. 
So I actually started professional development for that. Um, and that's that's pretty much what I do, man. I'm married. I got two wonderful children uh, that's also living, uh, living, breaking the curse myself. Right. So from a single mom to a guy that, you know, actually married the woman he made babies with and uh, uh, made her my queen and treat her accordingly and let my kids see that this is the way that we raise families and what we do. So. That's who I am. I guess. Oh, I'm also um, the designer of, or if you will, of the Truth Firearm. The Truth Firearm is the first guns in history to fight gun control. Um, uh, I would just tell anybody to Google Kevin Dixie, the Truth Firearms. Forty nine of them made. It will be the first modern day firearm, not only that fights gun control, but it's being submitted to a museum because it stands for that much. So before it's even a few years old, a museum is already going to take hold of it and um, place it in their museum in Wyoming. So. I'm proud of that fact, but it's the first guns to tell the story of African-American slaughter in the country when you open the case, like start to finish. You're going to know exactly why you have that gun. So we call it the truth because it defeats the lies of gun control. Um, and yeah, that's it, man. I've had the pleasure of um, being on shows like this to being on the cover of Time magazine to speaking at a, 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 a local school, helping kids out, feeding them, clothing them to standing on Capitol Hill and, and speaking my mission. So I'm just all over the place, man. Thank you. So you're going to add a level of seriousness yeah. to to our podcast. I, you um, know, we don't have to be. We, most of the stuff I talk about, we can make. I mean, not like, uh, but it don't have to be. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I understand. Um, I'm pretty goofy myself, but um, there's a few things that uh, I do want to talk specifically uh, with you and uh, my brother about. So I want to start with the uh, hate crime that was uh, took place in Atlanta the eight people that were uh, murdered. Um, I don't want to say the gentleman's name, but um, he targeted uh, Asian Americans specifically. Um, Milkman, what you got to say? Oh, I I mean, go ahead. You, you're you on it. No, 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 I mean, that's that's my introduction. So go ahead. Yeah, I mean, like, you, I, I, what are I, your thoughts? So oh, to speak? I, I'm just like, so I've been I've been reading some things, and the the one of the things that I read just before we got on um, the show today was that one of the um, the husband of one of the victims uh, is a uh, of Mexican descent, and apparently he was locked up by the police for like four hours um, when he was trying to you know see what was going on. Like they had him in the really? for like four hours. Um, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I didn't get all of the, all the details on that yet. Like I just saw it just before we got on. So, um, so did you guys see the, the, I want to say he was the sheriff or maybe the police chief. And he said that the gentleman was having a bad day. Didn't see that. Didn't see that. Yeah. Um, I kind of have a problem with that. I mean, I have Um, a lot of bad days too, but you don't see me, but I haven't murdered eight people. Yeah, so about about that incident, what I was I did see what the sheriff said about him having a bad day. Now I'm no I'm a very fair person. Um, was it a stupid thing to say? I mean, yeah, like there is no Absolutely. there is. I'm not going to run around that. Um, yeah. Could it have just been um, you know words chosen incorrectly, just kind of speaking off the cuff? Yeah, you know I'll I'll give him that amount of grace, but at the end of the day, it was still a stupid thing to say. Um, I'm surprised. He hasn't retracted that statement yet because that would have been a smart thing to do. The um, the shooting overall, I think, you know, not only is it is it horrible that that happened to those those individuals. I think the only thing that runs up next to being worse 
is that people want to argue semantics about whether it was a racist attack or not. I think shows the stupidity in America. Um, and it shows the insensitivity of Americans as well, because there was a, a, a Caucasian woman, Caucasian man and a Hispanic man that were shot as well. Two of them uh, succumbed to their wounds, unfortunately, and their lives are valuable as well. Nobody's like making light of that. Those individuals, families right. can't touch them, hold them, love them uh, anymore. And that is very unfortunate. They were a casualty of, of what he was really out to do. I mean, you figured he um, he targeted Asian businesses because he apparently had some kind of sex addiction or something. But, you know, like I'm explaining to everybody and they're like, oh, it's not racist because he had a sexual problem. OK, let me ask you this. If I went out and I targeted white men between the ages of 30 and 40 that had tattoos and beards and drove pickup trucks. And I just so happened to shoot a couple of innocent people along the way. And then when the cops catch me, they say, oh, well, man, why are you going out shooting at white people? I'm like, oh, I wasn't shooting at white people. I, I just don't like pickup trucks. So that's why I happened to shoot all the white dudes between 30 and 40 with beards and tattoos. They had nothing to do with their beards, tattoos, or their skin tone. I just don't like pickup trucks. So that's why I shot them. That's how stupid people sound when uh, they don't want to acknowledge the fact that that was a race, racially driven motive. But other than that, it's really sad for the, um, for the community and the families. And I mean, I hate to sound cliche, but what else can I do but pray for them at this point? Yeah. I mean, yeah. My, so my, um, like my initial thought when the police tried to explain that it was not a hate crime because he was essentially fetishizing these, these women like that, that, that is also racist. Like, you know what I mean? To, to fetishize groups of people in that way. Right. To see them just simply as objects of, you know, sexual desire. Yeah. Sex or yeah. Power or whatever, whatever. Yeah. You're doing it in that way. So, yeah. Yeah. I, that's what, that's the, that's the point I'm getting to is like either way, he didn't kill any black, black prostitutes, white prostitutes, um, yeah. Canadian prostitutes, um, you know, Russian prostitutes. He, if they were indeed prostitutes, I'm also not going to put that on them because I don't know. Right. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm not going to put that on them. But even if he did, hey, I'm going to have a sexual problem with Asian women, so I'm going to kill them. Well, that has something to do with the race. Yeah. <laughs> Just side exactly. way, man. Exactly. You know, way. Right. Right. Um, the other side of this and. <laughs> out of out of the three people on the show, KD, I'm probably the biggest uh, firearms enthusiast. I'll say that. I would say not um, even like. I would say, absolutely, yes, you are. What out of the entire crew? Yes. Yeah, probably. Yes. Um, oh, but that's counting me too. No, no, no. Like our our crew. No, no. Oh, okay. By far, you were the don't, biggest. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't yeah. make me. Don't make me. <laughs> nah. I saw it and I was like, man, I wonder if he'll open it. But, <laughs> um, but on the other idea. hand, yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with you guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when things like this happen, I also feel that politicians use it to promote whatever they're promoting. There's a big push right now for gun control. Yep. Um, so when things like this happen, for me, that is automatic. Obviously, you know, your thoughts goes out to the families and the victims, but then it goes, how is this going to affect my right to bear and keep my firearms? Um, uh, well, oh, I'm sorry. 
think it was New Jersey just recently passed um, a bill banning uh, magazines over 10 rounds. Um, but then you have Tennessee who are they're trying to push legislation for what they call constitutional carry. Um, with all of this, this madness going on, how do you feel that this is going to affect the, the debate over gun control? Because I think personally, I feel the States, each state is something different, but obviously the federal government is going to come down with something. Then when things like this happen, I just feel that it helps push their agenda further for what I call non-gun owning Americans. Yeah. You know, man, um, unfortunately, um, the way that I view it, and this is not, 100% on either side, but for individuals that understand and absorb and want to hold on to and expand their gun rights, when something like this happens, it's like there's two responses from that side, right? One response is, I'm, I'm sorry, like, you know, like at the core, like I hate that that happened, right? Then the other side is like, yeah, I hated it happened, and I wish they would have had a gun to shoot back. Gun. So right. either way, it's 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 because we even have a story coming out with one of the men at I believe it was the first location hid in the closet and locked the door. Right? I would have I would have much preferred him have had a gun and and went out there and did what he what he could or at least try to do. But at the same time, I don't want to sound like that guy. It's like, oh, you died because you didn't have a gun. I don't want to be that insensitive, right? Because you can absolutely die with a gun. Let's let's make that clear. absolutely. Um, and then the, the flip, but we are trying to come from a good place either way. Either way, we're trying to come from a good place um, and let people know that we just want the best for them. Whether you deliver it right or not, that's normally the intent. Unfortunately, um, the anti-freedom side is going, they're going to find a way to apply this to pull on the heartstrings of Americans. They're going to find a way to not isolate this idiot, this terrorist, and treat him accordingly. They're going to want to uh, spread that uh, to everyone and say, see, look, this is why we need uh, gun control. This 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 is why we need to get these things off of the street. And they will just play on that. Right. They're not going to talk about the fact that if they get what they want, it's only going to leave more people open to be victims. And I mean, that's just case in point. For example, this guy passed the background check from what I understand so far. He passed the background check and there was nothing in his past. Even if a universal background check is one of the things they're trying to get past, nothing in his past, a universal background check would have caught Ike because he had nothing. So he still would have got the gun and he still would have committed that. No matter any background checks you got to get. And I don't know what kind of gun he used yet, but I'm pretty sure if it was a rifle, that would have been all over the news. Um, but oh, yeah, I don't know. Definitely. Do you, I'm sorry. No, just agreeing with you. Had it been an AR, I, I feel that that would have been said over and over and over oh he used an ar-15 um but i believe it was a handgun so with that with that being the case um yeah man is it going to be you sure it's going to be no different in essence of a sandy hook um no difference of you know any other you know unfortunate shooting the one thing i will say that's going to make this one a little bit different not by much but this is how crazy politics is the people that got shot in Aurora, Sandy Hook, Columbine were what? Primarily white. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you never seen the organized gun, uh, anti-gun control, well, gun control movements like the moms, the man, the mayors against the every towns. You've never seen organization like that. And we've been having people in black neighborhoods and brown neighborhoods being slaughtered in those numbers every other weekend for 
don't know, 20, 30 years now. Right. Yeah. And you, you've never seen those kind of um, those kind of efforts put into it. So I believe the only thing, unfortunately, that's going to slow them down is they don't have any political power with the Asian community because the Asian community does not make enough of American population to where if they vote one way or another is going to make a difference just because of the sheer numbers, right? It might in certain pockets of local laws, right? Like I'm pretty sure Mm -hmm. in San Francisco, yeah, there are big voting populace and stuff like that. But on a federal level, there is not enough Asian Americans for us to say, for well, let's say the the anti-freedom side to say, let's dump millions of dollars into running off of this uh, heartache that their community just experienced why? Because they can't give them millions of dollars in return. They can't give them, you know, 42 million votes like African-Americans can in return. The Hispanic population is large as well. They can't give them 20, 30, 40 million votes either. So they're not going to play to them as much because they can't deliver uh, the investment that they want to get out of them. I agree. Yeah, I, th- I so I think you're the perfect, perfect person to ask this question to. Um, but what, like, how do we make this country a safer place, right? Like, how do we de-escalate, or how do we, how do we, because we have a we have a violent culture mm-hmm. in a lot in a lot of ways, right? Um, a lot of other countries do too. So, I mean, we're not unique in that way. But like, how do we? What what's the how do we stop this kind of stuff or do we just have to live with it? I mean, what's the, what's your, what's your thoughts? Here's the thing. We have to go back and look to your point. We, and I agree with you, right? I do not agree with you that we have a violence problem because we do have a violent culture because America was built off of violence. Yeah, it's just, absolutely. you know, it's, it's rooted in us in one way or another, right? We're still a relatively young country, right? So you figure where, you know, we're you know, 250, 260 years old. So, we got a lot of learning and growing to do, and we've definitely uh, made some horrible mistakes collectively, and we're trying to fix that. But we do have a violence problem. I don't think that, well, I know for a fact, for example, we have to, so when I talked about my program, Amy for the Truth, right, dealing with the issues that cause people to be violent, like, yeah. we have to do more of that. And you might call it something different. You might have a different way of doing it, whatever, but that's what we have to do. And here's why I say that. When you look at the gun, the gun, obviously, because of movies and videos and pop culture, you know, the gun is viewed as this thing, right? Ah, a gun. Well, if you really back up and you look at the simple statistics that are put by put out by a non-biased source, being the FBI, you know, you roughly, let's just take the AR, for example, you roughly have, ugh, I think I want to say, I want to say the last time I checked, the number was, it was stupid. It was like 30 or 40% more. So AR-15s are like... 0.0 something percent. They're not even on a scale, right? But look at the amount of people that are, that are killed by fists and kicks. Human and human contact with no weapon use at all. Those numbers are well beyond um, anything that a rifle will do. Now, when you start adding handguns in there, we'll say, okay, great. We're losing roughly, um, you know, 36,000 people a year or 24,000, whatever the number was. We're losing people to what people call gun violence. I'm like, no, we're losing them to violence. Because two thirds of those are suicide, right. right? So when you really start breaking out, breaking out the issues, we have to start fixing the machine being the human. So do I agree that we have to address the violence issue we have in the country? I'm a thousand percent on board with you, and I would love to to talk to anybody about really getting out there, expanding programs, and dealing with that. 
I think when people try to say, hey, let's throw gun control at it, what they're trying to do is glaze over the issue for a quick fix. It's the Band-Aid. Gun control is a Band-Aid when you got a a gashing wound and it's not going to hold. And the point will be, okay, you take guns just like they did in Europe, right? They, They ban guns. Look at the amount. A, their violence has actually went up. Why? Because criminals don't have to second guess whether you have a gun or not, unless they just run into a cop or something like that off duty. And look at the amount of people that are getting stabbed, uh, stabbed over there and cut up, right? And so violence has actually increased when the populace could not defend themselves. And when you, even when you look at other uh, videos from over there, there was one that came out a couple of years ago that showed broad daylight, showed people over in the UK running up and down the street having a shootout, not only with guns, but with suppressors. On the gun, right? Having a shootout. So when you look at that, the point is criminals are going to cram, man. Criminals are going to do what they're going to do. So trying to disarm good people because of what a criminal might do doesn't help us. Trying to get more programs to spend more effort helping people. If you can help a person become less violent, then you don't have to worry about suicide, a car, a brick, a bat, a gun, a knife, Molotov cocktails, like any of those things. So I think that because politicians, in my humble opinion, don't want to get out and do the hard uh, work, the dirty work, the grimy work, um, they don't want to pour more money into individuals that want to get out there and actually work with people face to face and in these groups and really push for the betterment of society. Then they just say gun control like the gun's the problem. But if you simply look at the stats, it's not. That's why they always use cities like Chicago. Well, Chicago is a metropolitan area that definitely has some uh, some concerns, right? Well, however, when you really start looking at that, can we talk about how many of those shootings are beefs, right? Now, I don't like you. You don't like me. Bam, right? How many people get shot at one time because of those disbeliefs? Or is that really the way that the country looks, where if you go right across uh, state lines to the state of Missouri, our crime levels are a lot lower, even though per capita, St. Louis is a very violent city. But just like Illinois, once you get out of Chicago, St. Louis, once you get out of, um, I'm sorry, Missouri, once you get out of St. Louis, you see those numbers dramatically decrease and the crime violence in Missouri is actually lower than the violence in Illinois and we have better gun laws, right? So you, when you really start looking at this thing, I'm sorry for the long-winded answer, but when you really start looking at it, it's not a gun issue. It is an issue of absolute truth that we need to address the violence in the country and how we can keep the people, the machine from being less violent. And that's going to take a bipartisan effort that's going to take people that just have to disagree on certain things just to get out there and do the work because I don't have all the answers. You don't have all the answers, neither you, but what would happen if we all sat at the table together, put our biases aside and went out to help society. Right? So that's where I think the work's at, not at banning any, any object. I wouldn't care if people said you can't have cars anymore. Well, all right, people won't run you over. Now they'll just knock yourself out the head with a club. It doesn't matter. People are going to do what they're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's always been my, my fault, Jay. I mean, to cut you off. Um, that's always been my stance. Um, like, you, like you brought up the UK, they have a problem with knifing. If I want to harm you, I'm going to harm you by whatever means I have. Knife, fist, car, brick, whatever. So to your point, that that's not the issue. The issue is why do I feel this way? Or why do I feel that this, this is the only way that I can solve this issue that I have with you? Um, I work with uh, children with behavioral disabilities and emotional disabilities. And um, that's what I, I spend the majority of my day. Okay, now, why do you feel this way? 
Why? What? What's going on? Stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, we need more programs, like you said, to go out and talk to young people, essentially, because that's where it starts. You know, angry adults were once angry kids. So I totally agree with you there. Yeah, I need to. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And on a cultural level, we have to do better as well, right? Um, One thing I tell people um, that you can do immediately is stop telling young men, especially, but this goes to young ladies as well. Stop telling them they're not allowed to be emotional. Now, should they be able to control their emotions? Absolutely. Yeah. And you got to manage them. But when it comes to saying, hey, 14-year-old boy can't cry. All right. I thought that used to be the way too when I was 14. But I tell people all the time, the pain and discomfort that people are going to go through it's going to happen. It is going to come out. So that, that pain is going to come out one of two ways in tears or terror. And you choose which way you want it to come out, but either way it's coming out. Right. So we have to make sure that we understand and let people know that it's okay to be vulnerable. It sounds like such a soft thing to say, but guess what? It is what it is. I would much rather a grown 45 year old man or an 18 year old kid cry in my arms than pick up uh, anything and go out and cause harm to another human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree. I agree. And what I was, what I was going to say is that this conversation is, you know, that's a lot about what I bring up on the, on the show all the time is that, you know, we have to look at the underlying things in society, right? The systems that are in place, the way our politics work, the way capitalism works, the way all of these things work. Um, you know, and that's the tough thing. Like, you know, you can't, as you said, you can't get a politician, to do that because that's it's bigger than just one politician being able to promise something and then not deliver it right so um you know they they tend to go for the the easy fix the the splashy fix um but i i i agree i think you know you have to look at the at the the underlying things we have to learn how to you know that's one of the things that i've been kind of you know listening to on some of the the podcasts that i've been listening to recently is you know, we we don't have a great sense of community, I guess, like we used to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you mean as a country, as a as a country, yes. But like even even on a local level, like, and maybe it's different, right? Like, Soup and I grew up. We grew up in the same place, and I always felt like I was part of a community, right? I always felt, I I knew my neighbors. My parents knew the neighbors. My parents knew my friends' parents. Like everybody knew everybody, right? Where I live now, like I know two of my neighbors and I've lived here for like 13 years. Well, that's what you get from, from moving out the hood. Say you try to move on up, you moved on out. Say God got involved. You're right. But I think that is, that's, that's a, that's more and more consistent, you know? Oh, you're right. I mean, I was being funny, but you're absolutely right. I mean, when I lived in Columbus, it was totally different, but I was in suburbs and didn't know any of my neighbors they they called the police on me more than twice what's this big bald black man doing in dublin i'm paying my taxes just like you um but yeah there there wasn't a sense of community and i think that is important to know your neighbors and look out for your neighbors and things like that but um excuse me on a grander scale as a country you're, you're right we don't have a sense of community um i always talk about if you go to another country and I'll use Africa, for example. You know, they're, they're, they're not, um, I'll use the UK. You don't hear the term, oh, he's a, a British 
whatever. Oh, they're just British. Or we, we don't do that here. You're African American, you're Asian American, you're Indian American. We're all Americans, but we're so divisive here. So I get what you're saying. Yeah. I well, I mean, they ha- they certainly have their issues in the UK. Oh, they do. They do. Right. But yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I just feel like something has changed over the last even 25, 30 years that, um, you know, we've just kind of gotten, gotten away from each other's humanity a little bit. Like, and, and some of that maybe is part of, I don't know, my, my theory is that maybe that's part, part of that is the internet, right? That we don't have to interact with, we, we can stay in our bubble. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? We don't have to interact with people that are outside of our belief system or outside of our whatever, right? We can just, we can find our little corner of the internet and just stay, stay with those people, I guess. Um, yeah. Echo chambers is a, is a big thing, right? And I do think if you, if you really look at the development of society, the more media we got, the further apart we became, right? Even when we got television and it went from TV to dial up and we had all the magazines and the, the more and more it got, you know, more media we got out there, the further apart we, we, we became. I would like to, uh, when we talk about things like, um, just to make a quick reference uh, about the country being divisive. Then we talk about things like, you know, African-American, Asian-American and things like that. I actually think that that's, um, that's an opportunity to unite. And I'll tell you why. If you look at the idea of America, right, it is core principle. What it was supposed to be is supposed to be a land for the forgotten and abused of other lands. Right. So one of the beautiful things about us is that we are a melting pot. This experiment called America does take the, you know, the, the, the worthless from other places and lets them know that they have value and an opportunity here. Um, and then people that think that they have value can come here and you really use that value, get away from communism and all those different things and rulers and come here and, you know, supposed to be able to thrive. So I think people holding on to their identity helps people understand that that's the concept of America. Right. So um, and then for certain people, like even I'll just say to African-Americans, that, uh, me and one of my buddies have this conversation like it never feel like once a year we somehow come around this conversation. And, you know, he he doesn't agree with the term African-American and I don't it's just a difference of opinion. But what I tell people is um, whether we can track it or not, whether each family is is connected or not. Yeah, I remember um, uh, people that were being brought over from uh, uh, Africa were dumped in the ocean. Like so how much lineage did we lose? Right. I'm just not even made it to a plantation. I'm just talking about just thrown overboard or died or whatever in transport then you get here and the families are spread all across you got you know moms being bought away from kids and so you have all this divisiveness so i think that giving in to just say what you're going to be an american and you should represent america accordingly but not saying the african-american part and keeping that alive is kind of letting that last piece die off right like you're just okay we're just we're not going to mention it we're not going to bring it up and so that's why like personally i like to hold on to it because Lord knows that my name, if anybody like when people were arguing me about, man, you but you don't know anything about slavery. Well, my last name is Dixie. So maybe I did a little bit of research. <laughs> OK, I don't think Dixie That's is just a name you just get without, you know, maybe having a right. little family experience that gives you that last name. Right. But I won't change the name. either. Like, I'm not going to do that because it's part of who I am. But at the same time, you know, I, I think we have to be cognizant of what people have gone through Asian Americans. Right. Maybe they maybe they did want to get away. Let's just say if they're from China, they wanted to get away 
from communism, but they love their, their, their Chinese values of who they are as a person. And they don't want that to die off. So I see what you're saying, but I think it's actually an opportunity for us all to unite more than we let it divide us if we look at it from a different lens. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't saying get rid of your values. By all means, you should hold on to that. Um, I'm just saying compared to other countries, their their and their sense of nationalism, it stem oh, I'm this, I'm that. Um, I just feel as Americans, you have to you have to say, Oh, I'm African American. Um, I'm an Asian American. When you go to other places when you travel outside of the country, they just view you as an American. We don't view ourselves as that though. I'm not saying like, oh, you should lose your your heritage or your culture or whatever, but I, I just feel that in this country, we don't see each other as the same. I see you as a, you're a white guy, you're an Asian guy, you're a Mexican guy, so forth and so on, but we're all Americans. That's what I was saying. Oh, no, I agree with you. I don't, I don't think you were trying to tell people to dismiss who they are. I'm just saying, I think that's why people hold on to it. I also think that the the way that individuals um, kind of, it's America's fault. Oh, definitely. And, you know, and when you think about it, right? Because America just, my grandma is still alive and she lived through the civil rights era and not being able to go whatever restaurant she wanted to go to, right? So America has rooted in people that you are American, but you're, you're a subset of, right? It's only really the last Really, if you really want to get into it, I would think I would guesstimate, right? Because you pass a law, right? So let's just say 64, 65 civil rights uh, laws are passed. Less for argument's sake. We know when people pass laws, people abide them, abide by them by the next day, right? Like they're all going to be right. like, yeah, right? So let's just say for argument's sake, it took the country 15 years to catch up, right? So it's 1980 at this point. Mm-hmm. Well, hell, I was born in 79. You know, so it's like, America still has to understand that you put this in the minds of a lot of people. And then when you start, um, when you really start digging into it about some of the unfair things that have happened, some of the unfair practices, going back to what you were saying earlier, because of not being close to thy neighbor, it's like I almost have to be separate and identify myself as something because I don't believe America has accepted me. Yeah. Right? Like America hasn't fully accepted me to the point. Be American. Great. Hey, yo, look at the things we are telling you that are happening to black Americans in the country. Forget the stuff the news essentially sensationalized. I'm talking about stuff I experienced, my friends experienced right here telling you about it. Yo, can we have a conversation? Shut up. Stop complaining. It's America. I'm like what? Right. Like which which one is it? like either you're going to accept me if you because if you accept me as American, you accept my American issues and they thus become your issues. Right. So we should be addressing them together. But because America won't allow itself to align on those principles. That's why a lot of people, even beyond calling themselves African-American or Asian-American, they don't even get that far. They're just like, I don't feel like I'm uh, truly a part of this experiment called America because every time I bring my concerns up to you, America seems to turn against me, right? But then every time America needs me, then all of a sudden, oh, we're all Americans. It's like, nah, homeboy. It's the same way I tell people when it comes down to uh, gun rights. You take some of these people that are like, you know, pick a pick a pick an incident, right? And they'll just be cruel and just dismissive about the incident that happened to somebody uh, of particular race, creed, or color. And the people are saying, "Yo, man, forget what BLM is saying. Forget all that crap." I'm telling you, 
what I've seen with my own two eyes and why that makes sense for me. I'm just asking for you to value my opinion. And then they dismiss you. Oh, shut up. Cops are the best thing since sliced bread. Police officers do a hell of a job and there is nothing one can do wrong. And fast forward, let a gun law get passed and they're going to send the cops to knock on your door. Now, all of a sudden, cops are red coats and bootlickers and they are the arm of tyranny. I'm like, so the only time that a cop can do anything tyrannical is when it comes to your guns. But when we've been over here saying all this other stuff, they're perfect people. So unless it affects you, then it's not an American issue. It's an issue with me. But when I try to bring my American issues to you, then all of a sudden it's not your concern. But as soon as America does something to you, you want me to be involved. And that's why I constantly tell people America loves to complain about when it's being, um, you know, uh, uh, a victim of something. But it never wants to speak about how it victimizes other people. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, that's that's a great point. I think like for me. So I'm a I'm a history nerd. Right. Like I I, I get my hands on as much as I can get my hands on. And um, I feel like that's a big part of that kind of attitude of, you know, we'll just just forget about it, move on. That kind of that kind of thing is just people not. And we do this like as a program. Right. As as um, curriculum, like our, we don't teach our history in a critical way. We only teach it, you know, in a patriotic way or, you know, and you, and you can see this with. Um, you know, like the, the some of the some of the laws and the, and the commissions that came out of the the Trump administration, right? Like they they we don't want to talk about certain things in our history. We only want to talk about the the, the flowery, happy stuff. Um, but we don't want to, you know, we like, yeah. I had to become an adult to learn about about things in a really nuanced and critical way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, American history is, in a lot of senses, it's it's the history of brutality. I mean, it's just it's brutal in a lot of ways. Um, you know, against against all kinds of people that 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 were otherized, right? So, um, yeah, I think I think that's a that's a great point. Is is how do we uh, you know kind of push back on that mentality of well, you know, if you don't. If you don't love it, leave it or whatever for you, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Well, I think the first thing you have to do is everybody just needs to use their voice. I also think that another huge problem is the fact that we want to say what we hope other people like. Mm. Right. Like, oh, I would say this. <laughs> but what if people get mad and then people with the loudest voice, right, with platforms, you know, like mine, they're always like, oh, I want to teeter totter because I don't want to lose a sponsorship or I. What? Nah, man. Now you can deliver things in a certain way. Obviously, sometimes we need to take a deep breath and say, let me figure out a very uh, the best way to deliver this message. But either way, the message needs to be said. But, you know, I'll never forget um, my mother. We were talking one day and she was like, baby, I always want you to remember history, his story. Right. I never forget when she said that. Right. And then you fast forward as the older I got to your point, the kind of more of a critical thinker. You, uh, you know, you, you, you read that, you know, um, the history is, is told by the victor, man. Like, yeah. you know, and, and once again, America, I, the one simple thing I always tell people is when they come and say, oh, get over it. Right. No matter who's talking, I've heard people say it to Native Americans. I've heard them say to Japanese Americans. I've heard it say it to a lot of people. I, I even jumped up and defended the Irish Catholics one day. I'm like, I don't think people really understand what they went through coming over here. 
I don't think people understand that, right? So I, I was trying to jump out there and defend them one day, and people were like, I'll get over it. I'm like, all right, cool. We're going to get over everything. But what do we say about Pearl Harbor? Right, right. Never forget. Right? So how right. are you going to tell somebody to forget what they went through? Uh, nobody said you did it. I didn't I didn't blame anybody, any anybody living a day for doing anything. I'm just talking about historical facts. But never forget one part of history, but forget yours. Right, right. No. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I just want to go on record and saying congratulations, Milkman. You've turned the Mad Player podcast into cut the court. (laughs) This is the most serious conversation we've ever had on this podcast. Somebody going to tell me why your name is Milkman? Is that that just going to be like a thing? And I don't know. I mean, it's like. (laughs) I've been told. Like 16, 17. Yep. So. Yeah, I mean, I like Okay, it. fine, I'll tell the story. Okay, so, you know, we're 16, 17 years old, high school, you know. Uh, everybody in our crew has a, a nickname and there's a story behind it. Um, uh, my brother Jay was uh, quite the ladies' man, we'll say that. And okay. um, it started off as a, a joke, him delivering vitamin D. And uh, I think one day he just said, yeah, I'm like the milkman. And so it stuck. Mm. Okay. And, you, and it's only like two, three white guys in our crew, so that helped as well. And all the the cool white boys at our high school, they had a uh, nickname that involved being white. So we had White Magic, the Caucasian Sensation, and the Milkman. Okay. So all right. Yeah. So I guess I guess you know all three of them went to the barbecues. Oh, de- oh, definitely, definitely. Okay. Definitely. Okay. 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 Definitely. Okay. Okay. Definitely. All right. It's all yeah. good, man. Yeah, and like our brother Nino, yeah, he he, yeah. So, but yeah, that that's that's where the milkman came from. <laughs> Did I tell it accurate enough? Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. Most okay. Uh, yeah. that's probably the most, um, you know, PG thirteen version. Yeah, that's a that's a, that's a, that's the most uh, flattering way you can tell that story. I was say. Yeah. See, I've been working on it. I've been working on it. Um. All right. So. <laughs> Let's switch gears to silly stuff now, or less serious stuff. Uh, NCAA men's basketball tournament started. Ohio State did what I expected them to do and got eliminated first round. Bunch of bitches. Um, yeah, so my my bracket is in the trash. I at least had us beating Oral Roberts, and nah, ain't happen. Did you see the game at all? Nope. No, so... I didn't even know the tournament was starting today until this morning. Like, this is usually like my big, the, you know, March Madness is usually my thing, right? I do all. Hang your head in shame. I'm in charge of the brackets at work usually. Like, we, there was no conversations about any of this leading up to the, uh, to the tournament this year. So, I'm completely, completely out of it. I just saw that Ohio State was playing Oral Roberts and I was like, okay, all right. I'm so disappointed in you right oh, now. Right. College basketball. Teddy, you, uh, do you do brackets at all? Yeah, look, I'm scared to answer. You too much. You disappointed in him. You're going to be mad at me. You might hang up. You know, honestly, uh, look, I, I think college athletes are amazing. Obviously, they're, they're who are the ones that become professionals, man. But I've never, I've just never got into it. I don't, I don't know why. No rhyme or reason. I've just never, never gotten into it. Now, 
I am a, I'm a, you know, I'm a Missouri boy. So if one of Missouri squads is, is running around rampant or something, I get wind of it. I'll, you know, show some love. But uh, football will catch my eyes every now and then. Uh, now that Missouri's in the SEC, I will watch it every now and then. I'm down here in Georgia, so I just got here seven months ago. So Clemson is only a two-hour drive for me. So I might, you know, Georgia State is right here. So I might go to some more of the games, get a little bit more into it. That's on the football side. Basketball, I don't know, man. I just can't get into it. Now, when it comes to NBA, I'm all in that. Like, NBA, I'm good to go. But the collegiate basketball, I don't See, I'm the exact opposite, at least with football. I, I love college football. The NFL, eh, eh, whatever. College football, I'm, I'm all in. But as far as basketball, I watch you no. Know, I watch the kids up the street play basketball. So I just love basketball. Um, so yeah, the tournament's going on right now. My, all of my brackets are in the trash. So <laughs> it's day one, sir. Well, no, I know if I, I mean, to bracket, who not to call? That's a good thing. Oh, yeah, definitely don't call me. <laughs> definitely don't call me. I am the wrong brother to call. I'm one of those people that sometimes overanalyzes stuff. Be like, oh, no, his field goal percentage was this. And da 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 And yeah, so. None of that. We, uh, that matters. None of that matters in terms. None at all. Uh, what was it? Not last year, because obviously there wasn't a tournament. So the year before, we did um, brackets at work. And I picked, I picked the team's based on their colors. So if they had red or blue as one of their colors and like, I got third place overall. <laughs> so wow. that should have, yeah, that should have told me like all your analytics and everything don't mean nothing. That's, um, that, that's a lot like our brackets at work. Like that's, yeah, I did. I, so we do work in, in places all around the country and we were bringing in brackets from people all over the country that were in the company. Right. And I think one year we had, 92 brackets. Dang. And this was before this was before ESPN or Yahoo where you you know you go on and you pick your everybody picks their team on the on online and, and whatnot. This was before that. So somebody had to enter those into spreadsheet. Oh that was you, huh? You track no, not me. Mm-mm. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> he said no. She said I ain't doing no extra work. All right. Well, sticking with sports uh, and NFL, Drew Brees announced his retirement. I think our boy Sammy T cried a little bit. Uh, Milkman, your reaction? You're the football expert here. I mean, I you know Drew Brees is, was one of my favorite uh, players to watch. I guess. Um, so, yeah. I mean, you know, sad to not see him play. Otherwise, you know. It's Jameis time now. Yeah, it's Jameis time. Yeah, we're going to eat some W's. Okay. (laughs) You got a better chance of him stealing some more crab legs. Crab legs. I'm just sorry. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Uh, He in the right spot for crab legs, though. He in New Orleans, so. I mean, you know, get him some crawfish and do his thing. I ain't mad at him. Yeah, I think Brees, yeah. I, you know the thing I like about Drew Brees, man, it's two things about that that guy. One, well, bonus. One, he's got a ring, right? So you know, hey yep. man, you get the lead with a ring. How many, how many NFL players that are starters anyway wind up walking out the league without one that are greats, right? So right. you know, real kudos to him. He's got a ring. He did his job. Two, he stayed with his squad. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't run. He could have. You know, he he stayed there and tried to build something up in New Orleans. 
which we understand across sports in general, ain't something that happened no more, right? It's, it's like, I'm gone. Right. Let me go win this chip. Um, so kudos him for that. And then three, I really do appreciate the family man he is. Mm-hmm. Yep. I just do. that. I just really appreciate that out of him. Um, so I wish, the, I wish the brother nothing but the best in retirement. He's earned it. Uh, he's still young enough to en- enjoy what's left of his body because, uh, you know, he's pretty sure he's broken up like most professional athletes are. Uh, he's broken up, but at least he gets to watch his kids grow up. I mean, I look at the, what he gets to do now, man. He gets to say, yo, I left the chip and now I get to go to my son's whatever, tennis, hockey, whatever they want to do. He gets to spend more quality time with his wife. So congratulations to Drew Bees, man. I wish him nothing but the best and I hope he enjoys the rest of this year uh, with a big smile on his face. He deserves it. Yeah, indeed. Yep. I, I've always liked Drew Brees, and uh, mainly because he's not Philip Rivers. There's a, Ooh, I'm sorry, there's an inside joke about that. Who does not care um, Rivers? Uh, yeah. Huh? Okay, so I have this theory about. I'll tell him. <laughs> I have this theory about Philip Rivers that he uh, uh, doesn't care for black people. So, yeah, that's from? my theory. What? I, it's just something about him, man. Like he drives a red pickup truck. Spit snow, chewing tobacco, and uses the N word with a hard ER at the end. That that's how he strikes me. I've never, I've never heard that he's done that. No, 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 no. I, I have no proof. I have no. There's no factual evidence. This is just okay. a feeling I have in my bones. Um, yeah, something about Philip Rivers. Man, just, leave that man alone. <laughs> he had a bad enough football career. Then you go do that. Stop it. Leave that man alone. You know, but all right. So this is what's funny. So a couple of episodes back. I went on this whole rant about Philip Rivers and I told this story. A week later, that's when the Chargers released him. So our third co-host who's not with us was like, hey, you think they believe what you said about Philip Rivers? I'm like, first of all, I don't think they listen to this podcast, but no, like it was a joke. So yeah, but um, kudos to both of those guys. Hopefully they enjoy retirement and I just hope Philip Rivers stays off of his wife because she's been through a lot. <laughs> All right. <laughs> he does have right, how many kids they got. I think he has like nine or ten, man. Yeah. I think it's double. Yeah, days. like I said, she's been through a lot. Stay off your wife. Find a hobby. <laughs> um <laughs> All right. I guess I didn't get all the serious stuff out the way. Um, they are now talking about legalizing marijuana in Mexico. The cartels cannot be happy. Huh. Well, here's what the cartels will do. They'll just take over legitimate businesses. Yep. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Right. So it's still going to be the cartel. It's just going to be with a suit and a tie all the time. That's it. They'll have their own guys to be security. They'll have their own dudes to run the inside. It'll still be the mob. But no, they cannot be happy. And the people I'll be scared for are the politicians. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, definitely, definitely. I'm I'm yeah, I won't want to be a politician anywhere in Mexico. It's um yeah. It's just not a smart business decision. Um, Milk, you wanna do a Grammy recap? Or did you even watch it? Uh I watched some of the performances, but I did not watch the Grammys, no. No. I'm Okay, I watch I watched Silk Sonic and then I went to bed. Okay. So that was it. I do know that Beyonce made history. She now is the uh, only solo, or I'm sorry, she's a solo artist with the most Grammy wins. So cheer, cheers to black excellence. 
So I saw something today like that. I didn't know. I don't know if you guys saw that have seen this, but um, there's a picture where uh, so Blue Ivy also won a Grammy, right? When she was drinking out of it. Yeah, the picture where she's drinking drink has got the straw and the Grammy. I mean, she's drinking out of the Grammy, right? She's wearing the crown. Yeah, but did you hear the story? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, go ahead. So, like, I yeah, I saw it today. So, people are saying that that's the crown uh, that Biggie wore in the in the famous picture, right? Well, additionally to that, did you see that they had auctioned off that crown? Right. Right. To and the it, tune of, I think. Well, I, you remember the. Now it was, it was it was close to like it was it was up there, yeah. But so yeah, so they said she had that crown on and she was drinking out that Grammy. But I think the last time Jay won a Grammy, he had said, "Blue, look, Daddy got you a gold sippy cup." Yeah. So that's why they took that picture. Right. So yeah, right. So yeah, she's a very well-off child. <laughs> Already more successful um, than than I am. So that's. Yeah, yeah, but you know our podcast is taking off, so we're gonna win a Grammy too one day. Um, da, 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 da. I don't have anything else as far as the Grammys, um, unless you want to talk about the backlash that we were talking about earlier. I mean, so what? Is, what go ahead. No, you. What were you? What were you? What were you gonna say? I just want to know what is it about Cardi B that makes white men so upset? I don't know. I don't know. I I really don't. Um, they get very upset when it comes to Cardi B. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there was, there's a, I saw an article this morning that a guy uh, from a band called Skillet. Skillet. Uh, compared. I don't know. I don't listen to that shit. Compared to, compared uh, the Grammys uh, to Hitler uh, for showing. Uh, Cardi B and Meg The Stallion performing for some reason. Why he? I read the article. It just didn't make sense. Yeah, I read it too, and I'm like, I don't. This, I don't even know. Like, there's no coherent. You couldn't even put a sentence together. So that's what I'm saying. Like, what is it about her and that song that makes white men so upset? They, they really don't have beef with Cardi, man. They got beef. They don't have beef with Cardi music. They got beef with the fact that Cardi came out with a political opinion. Mm. Oh yeah, that's what got. It. Right. When she came out um, backing uh, Joe Biden and and she was, I will say this. And, and Joe Biden, uh, if you want to point at a human being on this planet, I don't like is that dude. Um, and that's because I am a, a victim of his 94 crime bill. I'm the I'm the guy he was targeting the right age, the right neighborhood. I remember being called a super predator. I remember him saying that we shouldn't be in school with his kids like all that. Right. So I don't like that dude. And I don't like the fact that he's the president of my country. I just don't. But that does not give that does not take away Cardi's ability to have a political opinion. I do hate the fact that she didn't have what it didn't seem to be an educated opinion. Just seemed well to be she was opinion, with the yeah. Flow. Yeah, yeah, just kind of going with the talking points in the flow. More of a let's hate Trump. So like this dude kind of thing. Right. And that's what got her on people's radar. Right. Because you had the political pundits like Candace Owens and other individuals start bringing her up. So that's what got on that radar. Really? Come on, man. Let's keep it a book. Yeah, you talk all that crap you want to talk about. Oh, I can't believe she's raunchy. Let Cardi catch you by yourself mm-hmm. and say what's up. Right. 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 How many of them people that's claiming they hate are going to say no? Wop, wop, wop. Let, yeah, let, let, let Cardi, <laughs> real spit, let her catch somebody and say what's up. Uh, we ain't got to argue. Come get some of this wop. 
And they're going to be yep. right over there in that thing, swimming in that thing. Same way with Mary DeStallion. Yes, ma'am. It's all a political reason. I hate her. They want to call her stupid. But as much as, you know, you want to say she's grimy, is she the first <laughs> artist in this country to make raunchy music? And will she be the no, last? Not at all. Right. And that's exactly what I had said. I'm like, have you guys ever heard any rap music? Too short, maybe? Hey, hell, uh, what's old girl name? Um, Adina Howard. Hell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Trina. Yeah, Trina. Like, yeah. come on, man. Like, this is not a this is not a new thing, but because, and if yeah. they had, here's the funny thing. I truly believe if they would have just let that girl talk whatever political crap she thought she was educated on, I don't think WAP would have won a Grammy. I think WAP is a smack in the face giving it a Grammy just to say, aha, to the other side. I truly think that's what Sorry. it is. That that song for what it is is not Grammy worthy. If like not lyric really. wise, you know what I'm saying? It's not a Grammy song. Jay should win a Grammy. Like, you know, that's a different level. But WAP is, oh, y'all don't like it? Okay. <laughs> We're gonna make sure you never forget it. That's what that is. Right. That's, yeah. what, that's what I kind of went into on on the last episode. Well, not the last episode, a few episodes ago, we talked about, you know, a lot of a lot of culture now is just like identifiers like you know you, you people like things just to piss off other people like like the dr seuss thing people went out and bought a bunch of dr seuss books because whatever reason and the only people that made money off that were the people that own the dr seuss books like it's the same people that decided not to not to publish the books anymore right so i mean it's a lot of i feel like that's a lot of what culture is now is just like oh this person the, these guys don't like this so i like it now Right, it's it's like this is being contrary. It's People, yeah. elementary school stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like oh, your favorite color is red. My favorite color is blue. Yeah. Basically, yeah. that's all we do. That's yep. all we do. All we do. Yeah, well, since we here on music, I do have a question for you, KD. So you originally from St. Louis. Yep. So Midwest boy, just like us. So who are some of your favorite? I'll just say artists. We talking about lyrical ability or just music making ability? Favorite artist. Okay. Um, man, I kind of want to limit it to the Midwest, but I can't. So I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, there is um, a different way I view this thing. So favorite artist outside of the knowns. Like, I'm going to say this. Biggie is my number one artist of all time. Flat out. Biggie is the best storyteller that has ever existed. The dude just tells a story like nobody's business. Um, after Biggie, I'm gonna I'm toss Pac in there. Why? Because Pac was also if Pac wasn't as good as a storyteller, but Pac could make you believe anything he says. Anything, yep. Yeah, he's he gonna say it with some heart, from conviction, and obviously he's a very talented lyricist. Um, you know, after we get past those guys in no particular order, um, putting his political stuff to the side, Eminem, right? M is uh, I ain't never heard somebody make uh, want to kill their mama and their girlfriend sounds so wonderful in my life. Like it was ridiculous, right? Like <laughs> um, Eminem is a is a hell of a lyricist. Politics aside, um, and then we start getting into like the Jada kisses of the world, right? I tell people all the time, y'all sleeping on my man Jada. Uh, looking at the Jada kisses of the world, Scarface. Yes. Like, how you not know who Face is if you into music like that? Um, listening to Face, then I'm trying. I'm not trying to leave anybody out. Um, for lyrical, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of lyric lyrics. I'm trying to think who else. So really, uh, Nas <laughs> obviously is um is a is a is a, a guy that you can't forget. Snoop Dogg, right? 
uh, Snoop. I don't think people realize how cold Snoop was until he did his verses with DMX. Oh, then yeah. they realized how cold Snoop was. Um, we uh we talked about that on a couple episodes. I think um it was an article. Someone said Snoop is the greatest rapper, not lyricist, not anything, but all around rapper, star quality, all that other stuff. Snoop is the greatest rapper, and um. I was just saying, like, if people go back and listen to Doggy Style, like, yeah, you know, Jen and Juice and all that stuff, but there were some other gems on there. I'm like, Snoop was the man. Plus, all the stuff he wrote for all the other death row artists. Yeah. Yeah. So Snoop, Snoop can go. Oh, and then when you fast forward to modern times, man, hey, uh, a lot of this this music now, I feel like an old man. A lot of it I can't ride with. I just because I just don't understand it. But what I'm gonna say is this: that boy Kendrick, that's a different animal. Oh yeah, he's different. That's- yeah, he's different. J. Cole, that's a different animal. Yeah. yeah. And that boy Jonah Joiner Lucas is a different animal. Right? Them boys are are they to me are keeping hip hop alive, right? Like not just rap, like hip hop. Those dudes are keeping uh actually the hip hop uh, era alive. And then being from the Midwest, I gotta give my uh, oh, another one that goes underrated is Tech Nine. I tell people all the time, like, y'all just ain't hip to who tech is. But Tech Nine is, is is cold, and the boy got mad lyrics. Um, and then honorable mentions just because I'm a, a St. Louis dude, I got to throw my diamond uh, diamond album selling N- Nelly up in there. Not for lyricism, but definitely creating music, right? Creating oh, music uh, that people like. Um, and then Twister, you know what I'm saying? Like uh, that Adrenaline Rush album. Come on, man. Come on, man. And I, I was saw just you posted um, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I saw you post that. I was like, oh, okay, I like him even more now. Yeah, you know what was crazy about that too? You want to hear a funny story about that? So definitely. Twister is a, a USCCA uh firearms instructor, right? And so say that again. Uh, say that yeah, again. He, yeah, Twister's a firearms instructor. Mm-hmm. Shut up. I did not know that. He runs uh the name of his business is called Gun Camp. Uh so you can look it up on Instagram. Okay. It's called Gun Camp. Um and he would happen to be up there. So they, you know, my connector there at USCCA, who was a company I work closely with, they, they kind of set me up like, yo, man, we really need you to come this weekend up here for this uh, training that I needed to do. So I'm like, all right. So I cleared the calendar, made it up there. And they're like, yeah, Twist is doing having a concert this weekend. We want to take you and a couple of the fellas VIP. So I got another one of the homies invited. A couple of the homies uh, went. And it's funny because when we were shopping up with them, as soon as I stood up and walked toward uh, the first thing out of his mouth to me was like, oh, yeah, you can tell you an instructor. Is that first thing out of his mouth ever, like the way you carry yourself, like you could tell you an instructor. So we chopped it up. He got a he got a homeboy named Creative that was there. Uh, we all chopped it up for a minute. They left to go do their thing, have dinner. We finished up class. And then we went to the club that night. And we're back there in VIP. And um, Twister had uh, and they no knock against against the guy. But you can tell he was showing love to a homie from the hood, right? That was doing the mm-hmm. security. And I've done personal protection for a living, right? So it's like levels, I guess you can say. But I'm there to just chill. Definitely. I'm not. That ain't my job, right? That's on the mm-hmm. that's on the, the club and obviously a uh, twist. But <coughs> um, somehow it didn't come out of his mouth. But somehow they were like, "Yo, y'all here? We need a." Uh, we we gonna need to shore this up a little bit to make sure he get on stage, all right? So if y'all don't mind, so I went back into work mode for a minute, you know, made sure he got on stage. And when I got up there, uh, when he knocked off Adrenaline Rush, uh, the security, the internal security, 
was like, hey, guys, we need some of y'all to leave the stage. A lot of people was like, hell no, man, I'm here with Twist. I'm VIP. I ain't going nowhere. I said, that ain't why he asking you to leave. I don't think this little stage up here can really take all this weight that we putting on it, right? Right. Because um, the dude looked like frightful, like, please, God, please walk off. Right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, please, move. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I'm going to move. But when the adrenaline rush came on, I was like, nah, homeboy, I ain't going nowhere. To this is <laughs> Then I leave. And so then we, we uh, he finished performing. We kicked it with the rest of the night. Twister, uh, with Twister. He's a real good brother, too, man. Real humble, real nice guy. But yeah, he's a firearm instructor. So I got to stand on stage with one of the most iconic songs, especially if you're a Midwest dude. One of the most iconic oh, songs ever uh, with with, uh, with Twister. So that was cool. Oh, and Buster Rhymes. Sorry. I don't know the honorable mention. Oh. Man, I can go on. We can talk music for days. Really? Okay. So, like, that's what this podcast started as <laughs> a music podcast. Um, Okay, so since you want to talk music, let me ask you this. Who won the Jay-Z uh, Nas battle? Nas. I'd it, like to hear your reasoning. Okay, okay. So I guess you disagree. <laughs> all right. But, but, I, I always <laughs> disagree with this. All right. Now, it. let me start off with this. The, Jay losing takes nothing away from you. Right? Oh, no, no, no. If, you are, if you're a fighter, you're going to lose something. Floyd right. is the lucky one. Like he is an he's an uh, just a unique being, right? You're gonna lose some. And one could argue that Floyd was able to pick and choose his battles, right? But you're normally gonna lose as a fighter. And that's what that's what real lyricism is, man. It's a it's a it's a fight when you get into a battle. So when they entered that that situation, Nas took control and never let go. When Nas dropped Ether. Ether was not a diss track. He was talking to Jay, right? So it wasn't like he just created a bomb beat and was riding the beat because then, they, okay, that's a diss track. Okay, you made a good song. That happened to have a diss in it. Nah, he was talking to him. Like, come on, man. You know, like really getting at him and the way he was delivering it. Um, and then when he would throw the little insults toward the whole crew, I had to give it to Nas because Nas went at the, he called out the end. He called out Beanie. He called out State probably called out uh, Dane. He called out all of them by himself. Because what, what he had, the Bravehearts? But who, name a Braveheart? Jungle. Oh, you know one of them. Good for you. Damn. Um, well, that, that's only because that's his brother, so. <laughs> uh, I, don't like I don't know none of them. But he, um. I don't, he I don't know the other two niggas at all, though. And Ether was just like, damn, when he, went and, when he went and dropped Got Yourself a Gun, and then it followed it up with a bomb-ass album, Steelmatic, I'm like, bro. You know, you know, this is how you know Nas won at the end of the day. Jay went out and did a record deal with him. Like, yo. But that don't mean he won. To me, that means you lost. You st- but I was your boss. Because Jay you won on the me. business tip. He can't rock with Jay on the money and the business side. You still want I, the break, right? I mean, yeah, but uh, let's go back to the songs. Like, have you heard Super Ugly? Hey, dope track, bro. Dope track. I ain't gonna lie. Super Ugly was nasty, and I think if it wasn't for Ether, that would have changed the time. I'm, I'm still. I, of, I always go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Jay. I, I'm still of the opinion that it's the greatest uh, marketing campaign that's ever happened in in. Yeah, no doubt. Like probably, yeah, probably. Yeah. But I also think too, even though uh, you were emphatically wrong, Nas one. I also think <laughs> that. It, 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 it not only do I agree with that, there was definitely some marketing in there, I agree with that. 
But those it took those two to show us what hip hop was minus the violence. Oh, definitely, I agree. You get what I'm saying? You got remember when they were beefing? It was kind of at the height of if you beef with somebody, you somebody probably gonna die. Yeah, you know what I mean. And they were yeah. able to bring it to say, "Nah, look, this this music, baby. Gonna keep it it on might wax. get personal. Yeah. It might get nasty. But this is music, and this is what we do. We in the ring and we fighting. Once the fight is over, the fight is over. You ain't got to die over this, man. Don't do that. So I commend them for right. that. But hey, Nas gave him, boy, Nas gave Jay that. We and he gave super ugly. I mean, super. I don't know for for me to get on a song and say he said, "I know this is your car. This is the type of." Uh, uh, child seat your daughter has and fornicated with your wife, took off the condom and dropped it in your child seat. Nasty. And then she wrote a book and said, All that happened. I mean, Nasty. There's sure. a dope track, but I'm, I don't know. I think Jay's jazz were a little more personal. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Only have to agree to disagree when people say Nas one. And Tanaz got talking about how Jay was running over to his crib for straps and advice and learning how to sell dope. Like, Nas basically said, dog, you know I made you. Right? So stop fronting out here. Um, and, and, when I and, showed you uh, your first tech on tour with Lars Professor. Yeah, Then you went home and read about the tech on your dresser. True. Very true. <laughs> However, it still, don't, it still don't negate the fact that he had to put Jay on the game, despite who put him on the game. I'm just... Like I I'm said, just, I just have to agree to disagree. Jay won to me. Jay won to me. These are the kind of like wide-ranging opinions that that I, I i was hoping we would have on this show like the, <laughs> uh, nas, nas man nas gave on that and then too nas came in as the underdog that was the other thing because remember nas nas hadn't had an album what was his album before that beef um, what, what was his oh, album was he brought it was like a couple years before that but i can't remember the name of that album. was that i am the i am or was that Nostradamus. It might but, have been Nostradamus, which was terrible. Uh yeah. I, I think I, it was I think it was Nostradamus. But but Uchiwali came out before before that beef. So And when you when you look at like that time, like a few years before when Nas was making music, let's face it. I have I've never, and I will give Jay this, from track to track, beginning to end, I've never heard a whack Jay-Z C D ever. I've heard some pretty, I've heard a couple of, not, yeah. Like, putting together an album, Jay got that on lock. Nas, not so much, um, but I think when it came down to just delivering those isolated uh, bars and having that conversation, he got at him. Now, what's going to go down in history is um, Nas the underdog battled against Jay the giant and a minimum held his own. To me, he won. I will agree with that. I will agree with that. You know, because Jay was, I mean, what he had. I mean, he definitely came in. Yeah, that was Jay, like, yeah, that was. Because Jay was at his prime, yeah, really, wasn't he? He was kind yeah, of at. I would say yeah, so. Because you know? th- it's think- like a cat right now coming out, unless it's like one of the few I named. To me, that's the equivalent of a dude coming out right now trying to go bar for bar and lyric for lyric with like a Kendrick Lamar, if it ain't a J. Cole, right? Like, you look at what, oh, I'm sorry. Um, this is how scared these cats nowadays are of lyricism. You notice how quick Drake bowed out to push it? Oh, let, let's not even get started on that because that I'll be here all day. 
I'm Aubrey, just saying. Yeah, Aubrey wasn't Adonis. ready. Adonis? Aubrey was not ready. Uh, Aubrey he was not ready. Bodied him. But you steadily going at Meek, right? Because Meek ain't a battle rapper. I know he was battle rapping back in Philly and was on the undercar circuit. But somehow in his development to making music, really creating, you know, because he makes good music. Somehow creating right. that good music, he lost that battle edge, I guess. And I didn't listen to him mm-hmm. as a battle rapper. Uh, but he lost that battle edge if he did ever have it. But when but when Drake Drake saw blood in the water and ate him alive, and then here come Pusha. What's up, bro? Let's have this <laughs> right. conversation, man. When he told when he told that dude, um, what do you call him? Oh, dead 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 beat ass dad playing Border Patrol. I was done. There you go. Done. Like yeah, he bodied Drake, and Drake will forever oh. ignore Pusha T. I think. Uh, I think. Oh, he Drake, has to. He has to. I think Drake knew his history. Right, like he he knew what happened to Ja Rule, and was like, mm, "I'm not going to do that." <laughs> I mean, yeah, because because that's who he was in that situation. Yeah. So yeah, but we are on agreement with that one, KD. Yeah, Drake didn't want no problems with the boy from Virginia. I mean, and there, like no, neither did Wayne. Right? Hey, you remember, oh, yeah. you remember when he dropped Exodus? Yeah. I remember, oh my god! Oh my. Oh my! I was like Wayne. No I'm, a, I'm a clips enthusiast, so anytime Pusha T does anything, I'm there for it. Hey, he that boy, and he he's a um, he's proof of I think of how political music is, right? Because there is no way that that dude shouldn't be more well known. But he kind of he just reminds me of one of them cats where everybody like, hey, just leave him alone, man. Because unless you're gonna kill him, <laughs> he's gonna body you. Like, just leave him alone. Right. Wait, could you? Uh, this one not in. What is that light is plugged into that extension cord? I'm plugging. Uh, but so yeah, let me I, ask you I this. Right. I take that in. Um, I definitely think that um, uh, Pusha is, and I was surprised that Wayne never, never really got in him. And I don't think Wayne is the lyricist he used to be years ago, um, or ever was. If you ask me, he never was a good one. Well, what about that? What about what? the um, um. The one album, man. I think that was his best work. Was that the quarter five? Who wrote it, though? I don't know. You tell me. Somebody wrote it? Yes. <laughs> you familiar with Gilly the Kid? Hold on. Somebody was calling me at a very pivotal moment. I had to decline that call. Who, who wrote who, oh, t- t- Hold on. Let me scoot close. <laughs> okay, so it's, it's documented. Gilly the Kid has written for Little Wayne extensively. Are okay. you familiar with Currency? Yes. Okay. So go back and listen to the very first Carter album. All right. Mm-hmm. Listen to that and then go listen to anything currency has ever put out. And you're like, oh, damn, he wrote that. So, yeah, most of the Carter albums, Wayne either had written for him or he worked with other rappers to write stuff for him. Oh, damn. You just demoted Lil Wayne on my list. He failed. He shouldn't have been on your list. <laughs> he was on my list of people that can make music. I would right? agree. Not, not oh. as, not as, I don't think Wayne, I think the last, now the Carter was cold, but if somebody else wrote it, somebody else wrote it. And Gilly is cold. People sleep on Gilly. Gilly oh, definitely. He, he, he a beast. Um, I think when, um, when you got people writing your stuff, man, it's not your lyrics no more. So you can still create music, mm-hmm. but yeah, you still fall in the, the uh, lyricism category, which means your music falls to me because you weren't really creating it, right? Somebody else was right. giving you something to create. That's kind of like, I never look at Puff Daddy as a lyricist, because we know him and Dre, we know a hundred percent people writing the lyrics, right? But they don't right. hide. Everybody know that. Correct. Um, so no, I didn't I didn't know that about Wayne. I, I I go back to liking Wayne 
on uh the block is hot. Like I like the way right. the kid came out, right? Yeah. But if you telling me that, man, I'm like, damn. And I really like the Carter Five too. Oh, tell, did he did he write go DJ? Tell me he wrote go DJ. Save myself. Carter well, that was on the Carter or the Carter two. Go DJ. I think that was on the car. I think currency wrote that. Oh my god. I'm done. I mean, you, okay. You, you can just like currency. Go ahead. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> you can. Yeah. Just I mean, you're you're a currency fan if you like that album. Yeah. Like to me, the best Little Wayne song in like his adulthood is Hustler music, but Currency wrote it. So. I can't yeah. It's like the it's like the same thing with pop stars, right? Like no pop star writes their own stuff for the most part. Right. But yeah. I think we're forgiving in that in that that respect, right? Rap is a totally right. different like yes. I, you know, on. totally different like beast. When when I found out that people was writing Drake music, I'm like, bro. Like, and like it it I think stuff like that, like younger people don't care. They care, is it a good song? You know, guys our age, our generation, nah, I still need I need that authenticity. I need that seal that said I wrote this. I experienced this. This is really, you know, something. But yeah, these young cats, they don't, they don't care. Is the song dope? Can I do a dance on TikTok to it? That's all that matters. That's, yeah, and that's so like that. sad, man. Cause even some of our newer older rappers cared about lyricism. One of my favorites, mm-hmm. and I should have included them, but even though people take him as more of an entertainer, and I tell people all the time, yeah, he entertaining, but you don't want no smoke. It's little it's ludicrous. Like, yeah. Yeah, oh, he, yeah. He I think he's one of the most disrespected rappers out there because he was so animated and stuff. People don't give him his credit, but his first album, it was boring cast to death. I think him and Redman get overlooked a lot as far as um, rappers with with great lyrical ability, but sometimes their their content was um, humorous or comical, so people discredited it. But yeah, them dudes, psh, they can go. They can go. Yeah, even when you look at um, look at Tip. I, 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 oh yeah. T.I. Cole, boy, I just listened to that last track he got out with uh, E40 and Johnny Lucas. I don't know if y'all heard that yet. Mm-hmm. But Tip went off. Like he did. He went off. Like that boy still got it. Right. So yeah, I lo- I like lyricism, man. I like I like Cass creating. I don't mind you getting together and creating a bomb. Something. I ain't gonna say a dude ain't gonna write this or that. Uh, oh, you know what? I just I just thought of another reason I got beef for Meek Mill. <laughs> Go ahead. I don't like the way he did Beanie, man. I can't rock with that. Like Beanie Siegel is one of the greats. Like oh, Beanie definitely. is is just flat. One Pac Man. Who can make a rap song off the Pac Man beat? Right. Like Beanie is one of the. I feel it in the air. Come on, man. And then when you get into some beef with the with the old head with medical issues, you know he ain't losing his voice, and that's got to be horrible. For this yeah. to be what makes your money and what you live for, and to lose it, damn, losing his voice, and then you send one of the look cats to knock him out. You know what I'm saying? Like that make you gangster. I'm like, first of all, both of y'all from Philly. It ought to be a level of respect for the OG, right? You know what I'm saying? Because if if nothing else, he let him talk crazy, man. The dude ain't got his voice no more. You know his health is failing, and you really everybody know Beanie was really in them streets. It ain't really, down like nobody seriously back. in them streets. <laughs> this is the same dude that went to a restaurant when dudes was threatening to rob Kanye's shoulder with a Mac. Like, what's up? Like, yeah, yeah. Who was shooting up? And 
says he's got an album out. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, so I think that the, the, the way Meek played that, that's why I didn't feel sorry for Meek when Game destroyed. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. like, no, nah, man, because you shouldn't have, you feel like you're getting bullied by Game and Drake. Well, you shouldn't have did that. Karma is something else, dog. Come on, Meek. It is. It you, is. You shouldn't have did Beanie like that, man. I, I wouldn't. I, I, I didn't like that, man. Like, let that man live. How many times we've been around people? Y'all been around people, man, that's old and age, talk crazy. Just let them talk. You know what I'm saying? People do. (laughs) They live long enough. They earn that. Can't wait till I get old. I can talk crazy. Oh, I do it now. Um, you familiar with Griselda? Nah, who that? Grizzle? (sighs) Nah, Griselda. What's the short name? That is Griselda. That's the label. You have Westside Gun, Conway the Machine, Benny the Butcher, and both. Okay, I know Benny the Butcher. I know that name. Okay, yeah, that that's his crew. It's him and his cousins. Okay. Okay. So yeah, Benny the Butcher, Conway, and uh, Westside Gun—they're like the the foundation. But yeah, I like them a lot. Were, were you a Mob Deep fan? I liked a couple of the tracks from. I, I did rock with Mob for a minute. I think the um, uh, my favorite Mob Deep track because I get I like my music to make me go places in my head. So I think with Mob Deep, it was Getaway for me. I gotta get away. Get away. I like this dude. People don't know about you know that. Mean, that stuff was that was a joint, man. Yeah, that getaway joint. I like mine for what they represented, man. That's that that was that that gully New York kind of mob deep kind of reminded me of some of the first cats that had a West Coast flavor with a New York swag. Right? Like if you listen to them, they definitely it's New York all day long on them. But the yeah. way they moved, the corn rolls, the whole nine was kind of like okay. And then um and then Pop got mad at him, so there went that. <laughs> what do you say? Yeah. Fuck Mob Deep, fuck Bad Boy as a record label, a company, a staff, and his motherfucking crew. <laughs> yeah. And if you down with yeah. Bad Boy, then fuck, fuck you, you too. too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that dude oh, was a monster, man. I sometimes forget how young he was taken from us. That man. dude yeah. is a, was a complete monster. Um, I also think, speaking of Pac, too, man, I think that um, it's crazy, and I, I often teach people about this, about when I'm mentoring them, about be, be, be mindful of the small things, right? The, the pebble that could trip a giant, right? Always be mindful of that. And you look at Suge, man, the boss, right? Like, P. Diddy beef with Suge on, you know, for, for record purposes, but he wouldn't stay in the office with him, right? Um, right. Suge was the was the the bully. Forget the gang affiliation. The dude was just connected. And what took Suge out of here? A, a Suge ruined Pac, ruined him. Mm-hmm. Right? He ruined who Pac could have been. Put Pac in all those situations. Didn't do right by him. He was a bad businessman. Like I always tell people, leaders lead by respect, not fear. And Suge was one of those people that led by fear. Right? Um, but look at what took him out. Rolling over somebody with your truck. That small thing, you could beat cats, shoot people, call out hits, hang people off roofs and all kind of crap. And what took you out? Somebody saying, no, you can't come in. And you ran over somebody with your truck. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Man. Man. Speaking of Pac, because, you know, him and Biggie are always tied. Have either of you watched that uh, documentary on Netflix? The Biggie one? The new one? I haven't watched it. Yeah, well, I haven't watched it yet. I've been watching some uh, some of the documentaries that I've been watching lately. I've had uh, inter- interviews with with Tupac, like young, like before he became famous. It's pretty. Mm-hmm. 
I, I haven't got to watch that that documentary yet on on Netflix. The big one is good. I know we had talked about it before a little bit because it's it's basically getting to know Christopher Wallace and not the notorious B.I.G. Yeah. So that it, it's very interesting from um that standpoint. Um, the other thing that I learned in there was. You remember he stopped referring to himself as Biggie Smalls for a, a period of time? Yeah. Cause he got sued. <laughs> he got sued and he couldn't he couldn't do it anymore. So that's when it was you no know, biggie this, biggie that. Cause he couldn't call himself Biggie Smalls anymore. Yeah, he started saying the notorious all the time. Yep. 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 So yeah, that was that was kind of interesting. And actually there was an interview. He was like, please don't call me that. Please don't call me that. I'm at the pay if if you say that. So, um, yeah, if you guys get a second, check that out. That's a uh, pretty interesting. Um, you've watched anything interesting, Milk, besides documentaries? <laughs> um, no. so I got into this. I got into the show. I was looking for something just, just like stupid to watch. To so just like have on the background. This show called Banshee. Oh yeah, on- you ain't watched that before. And watch that. No, that was the shit. It was on uh, Cinemax a couple years back. It is. It's, it's 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 good and terrible. It's the dumbest thing I've ever watched, but it's like yeah. one of the funnest things I've seen in a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good and terrible. Wait till you get to the second season. Like that, and then I also so I watched the first episode of Warrior on uh, HBO Max. Everybody keeps talking about that. I have yet to watch it. First episode was Warrior on HBO Max is based off the uh, writings of Bruce Lee. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. It was that was that was great too. Like I'm looking forward to it. Everybody says it's good. I haven't checked it out. Yeah. KD, you into uh the the superhero movies at all? Um, yeah, when I can catch up on them. So one of my simple pleasures is actually being able to sit down and watch TV uh when I get a mm-hmm. chance to. But the superhero stuff I always catch. Like if it's a Marvel movie, I've seen it. Um I've seen all the DC ones too, except for the the last Wonder Woman that came out because the reviews scared the crap out of me, so I didn't watch you it. You ain't missing nothing. You ain't I missing nothing. It. I watched the first uh, twenty minutes of it and I had to turn it off because it was Marvel is kicking DC's ass all up and down. All up and down. Yep. <laughs> I tried to recently watch. I fell asleep on it, not because it was bad, but because I was tired. I only get a chance to watch TV as I'm falling asleep. So, um, um, what's my girl name? It's DC. Um, the Joker's chick. What's her name? Um, oh, Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn. Her movie. I started uh, watching Birds that. of Prey. Yeah, yeah. I started watching that, but now Marvel is um like I got so in, in attached with the Marvel characters, man. When uh when uh Iron Man died, I promise it took everything in me. I felt the little, little joke in my body. You had something in your eye, like, oh, dang, I got an eyelash. Oh, yeah, man, help me with something, you know what I'm saying? Who um, cut onions? <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm, re- I'm really disappointed with they, uh, I, I, I do seriously believe, and I hate that um, Sony and Marvel can't get along, but I really believe that that was the perfect launching pad for Spider Man to become a thing, right? And from what I understand, because of contract reasons and copyright reasons and all that, because leaping off of uh, the Avengers, I think would have put uh, Spider-Man up there. I am. I got to say, man, I'm pretty, uh, pretty stoked to see um, 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 the, the, the two guys, um, Falcon and uh, Winter, oh, Winter, the Winter Soldier. Soldier. Yeah. yeah. 
I'm kind of geeked to see that. I just hope they don't make their relationship corny. I don't think so. I watched the first episode today at work when I was working. Um, <laughs> but um, it was pretty good. It was pretty darn good. Okay. They're uh, to me, they're off to a good start. So yeah, that's definitely yeah. worth checking out. They need to they need to make sure that that continues to roll. Um, the other one that I, I'm I'm looking forward to um to really see uh, how they relaunch it uh, because man when 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 Chad died and the Black Panther obviously went with him that's just horrible but I'm interested to see how they um or if they even try to keep that series going right the Black well, Panther the the rumor is because in the comic book he he lost his powers and his sister had to take over. So the rumor is for Black Panther 2, Shuri will be the Black Panther. So that that will be interesting if they do that. Um, I also saw they're bringing uh, Michael B. Jordan back. So Why he's dead? How? I don't know. For Star no, one, no one ever dies in, in, in the Marvel Universe. Like, no, it's, it's, he's not even that great of an actor. He's just okay. Who, Michael B. Jordan? I just think he's okay, man. Like, I don't think he's this great actor. I mean, he's okay. Now, I got to be honest with you. I got to, uh, 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 um, so he's, um, you know, kind of sort of in the circle. So I'm going to ask you to step up off my boy a little bit. All right. Cause, uh, you know, he just he tell, just tell the him circle, to, you know, to relax trained. his facial muscles. I feel like I, I get it, but he yeah. trains with one of my one of my dudes. That's who trained him for all his action roles with his guns and all that. You know, you know. So I ain't trying to get kicked out the circle. So I just got to kill you. <laughs> you not you know saying that saying? I am. This is not a reflection <laughs> on KD. This is okay. Okay. <laughs> oh. uh, I think I think I think he's um uh, I think he really played it, man. Um, now I'm not gonna say he's Denzel. Level. I don't get it. I don't get it twisted. Like, that's you know. No, as Eric Killmonger, he was amazing. Amazing. What about Creed? You ain't like him as Creed. The first one. I ain't like the other ones. Hmm. I, think he, I think he played that one. I liked. Uh, I liked. I liked the way he he represented uh, Creed. Creed was a damn good movie too, man. That was one of the movies was. I didn't watch, but like until it was out for like over a year. Mm-hmm. I said, "All right, let me let me check this out." And I was, "Oh, I was tripping. This is a good movie." Yeah. I, I, see, I, I, like, I rock with him because I remember him as Wallace on the wire. I was gonna so say. when he started yeah. doing stuff, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm watch it. And yeah, I mean, Creed and Killmonger is like everything else is just. I did not like, I will say this openly. I did not like, what was that movie? Uh, Sunvale Drive. Or what was the name of that movie? Um, about the, about the kid that got shot getting in the subway train. To uh, uh, Fruitville Station. Yeah. Fruitville Station. Yeah. I, that. Yeah. I just think that was a badly arranged movie. I don't even yeah. think that was necessarily up to the actors. Um, yeah. So I did. I, that was probably my least favorite performance. Uh, but uh, he's got a new action movie coming out. I'm interested to see with Tom Cl- uh, Tom Clancy. Yeah. Um, yes. And, and that's now the that one preview my, looked great. Yeah. And that's the one in my uh, my man followed through Buck uh, Buck Doyle. Uh, that's who uh, okay. trained him on the the gun scenes. Like he was out at the same range I was at getting that training. Um, so. Uh, and I know well. If nothing else, he's got a, he got a solid dude that was uh, teaching him the the skills of running the gun. So I'm very curious to see what this is going to look like. Yeah, very curious. Real quick, let, let me segue this because because this is 
this is probably the real reason that I, I invite you on the show. So I've been around firearms my whole life, but I don't have like formal training. Mm-hmm. And I'm at the point now where I definitely want some training. I've never been in the service, not law enforcement, but I, I want some training. What are some things I should be looking for if I uh, sign up for a class, attend a class? Um, what 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 should I be looking for in my instructor? I should say. That's a first of all. That's a great question. That that question should be asked more often. Um, first, let me tell you what not to look for. Okay especially coming in with, with the open honesty you said, like, look, I just want to be good at it. I, I'm not one of these cool dudes with all these plate carriers on. I just, I want to be formally trained how to use this tool. Um, so the first thing you don't need to look for is somebody with that awesome, stupendous ass resume. You don't need that. All right. Um, and what I say by that is the person that, oh, I was a, a Navy SEAL so I could teach you how to run a handgun. Does it take a Navy SEAL to teach you how to shoot? Answer is no. No. All right. And none against the SEALs. I'm friends with a bunch of those dudes, and I will tell the same thing sitting in front of their face. Um, it, it's, you're, you're, you're not looking for somebody that's going to uh, spend half the class telling you war stories either. Right. I'm not, I'm not here to hear how cool you are. I'm here for me and my development. So those would be the first things I would say don't get harped on. And a lot of people, because half of what is done is entertainment, right? And some of the people that are entertaining you to come train with them are phenomenal trainers. But they're trying to push themselves over the edge to get you to come into the experience. Uh, I would say look out for somebody when it comes to what you're looking for. Look out for somebody that is going to be able to teach to your skill level. Right. So don't be afraid to go look for the person that's OK with saying, I love helping new people. Even if they've done all the cool guy stuff, if they say, oh, I love working with new people, then because they're invested in you. Right. And they're going to teach to your level instead of trying to make you something that you're not trying to be. They're not going to be yelling at you about, no, give me a war. Like, no, hey, you're here to fight. Now, you might get some different intensity out of your instructors. That's fine. But if they're, as long as they're doing it for your development and your growth, um, look for somebody that is certified. Okay, so uh, they, you, they, it is no harm and foul that you ask somebody, what are your certifications? They might not mm-hmm. run down the entire gauntlet to you because if you're trying to take an entry-level pistol class, they're probably going to give you the one cert that says, look, this fits what you're asking for. So that's why I'm certified to teach you in this, in this discipline. Um, and then look for somebody for me, uh, just as I'm a consumer as well. Look for somebody that's uh, personable, right? Because it's hard to learn from somebody you don't like. And it's hard to Agreed. learn from somebody, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's hard <laughs> to learn from somebody you don't want to talk to or that won't talk to you. So somebody mm-hmm. that's personal, right? Um, that you feel like, like if you're watching them on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, or YouTube, Somebody that looks like like you could you could probably sit down and have dinner with, them, right? And they'll be an okay person. To, I'm not. Don't look at their political views and all that. Just like them as a person. Um, and then from there you'll be all right. You don't have to. You also don't have to beat yourself up. The last thing will be um, price. So um, if you're going to go take uh, a class, prices vary for beginner level pistol classes from uh, people with reputations. I will say two hundred dollars up to maybe five hundred. Right. And you're normally going to be in that ballpark somewhere. Um, so I would be aware of the person that's 25 bucks. For eight hours of training, I'll be right. skeptical. And I would also not go to somebody that's a thousand dollars for one day of training. Night. Right. Like you're crazy. I'm not paying your mortgage um, just to stand by you for six hours. Not happening. Um, so it's a it's a 
it's a fine balance when it comes to dealing with pistols. Now you get into all these other elevated training. I mean, you can spend, I've spent a thousand dollars on two days of training, depending on what I'm going to do. Um, and I've also charged people a hefty amount of money, depending on what they're coming to do. Uh, so that's it, man. Uh, the other, and the other thing you should not look for is location. A lot of times we want everything to be right in our backyard, right? Like, oh, I would go take this phenomenal class if it was 10 minutes from my house. No. Make a road trip out of it. Make a vacation out yeah. of it, right? right? So, hey, I want to go to Atlanta or I want to go to, you know, Colorado. I want to go to Missouri, wherever. Make a vacation out of it. Make it, a, make it a journey. Do other things while you're there, but don't let location discourage you. So many people aren't receiving adequate training because they are scared to drive four hours. They're scared to hop on a plane and go get it. Uh, and my thing is, if you want something, I don't care what it is. If you want it, you're going to wait for it to come to you or you're going to go to it. All right? right. So that would be it, man. Um, and there's nothing wrong with looking at their pages and looking at reviews, too. If you hit somebody's um, uh, Facebook page or their Instagram page or whatever, and all you see is, I hated it. No, that's Yelp for you, right? So maybe you don't want to yep. go through that everybody hates. Uh, I don't know. It's just right. a consumer in me. Um, and then the last thing I'm going to add, but this is a personal thing. I like people to motivate me, so I don't I don't mind people yelling. That that don't bother me. But I'm not going to go somewhere where I'm going to be disrespected. Right. right. So look out for the instructor that, that looks like their motive, motivation through stimulus, yelling, encouraging, pushing in your face, getting you going is different. That's like a tactical response. That's what tactical response mm -hmm. does. They're good at getting you motivated to understand that you're here to learn how to defend your life. They're great at doing that. There are some other schools out, well, not even schools, some other instructors out there that are about making you feel like a POS, which makes you think that you've received adequate training. Like I tell everybody, if you, if you, if you get somebody to not believe it in themselves and make them feel like a, uh, a piece of crap, then you can, you, in proxy, you might convince them that they just shouldn't carry a gun because they're not ready for this. Right. So that would, that would be the balance. Um, and then I'm always going to be biased to say you should come train with me. So there's always a bias. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely trying to plan a trip to, uh, Georgia. Cause, um, uh, like I said, I, I've, I've been watching you for a while. So, cause like even with pistol training, I think I'm okay. But like, ARs. My my real only experience with rifles is like hunting style rifles or you know sitting it on um something in target shooting. Um but I've taken up building ARs and bought a couple ARs and obviously I know how to shoot it. I just want to be effective with it when I shoot it. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. And I would encourage anybody to to develop in that same uh that same mentality attitude. The only thing I will say and I'm only jumping this because there are people and I'm not saying it's you. Um, I would just I would just say this. Even when it comes to what you think that you're good at. I guarantee you within 45 minutes of training, I could change your mind. Oh, I'm sure you could. Right. So I would. That's why I do rifle and uh, pistol um, weekends where I do rifle one day and pistol the next day or vice versa. It's to really, because most people have shot them, right? You know what I mean? Boom, 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 boom. Mm -hmm. um, and then we get out and we start talking about some of the theories and the fundamentals. Uh, and that's why I call my classes Evolve. My classes are called Evolve for a reason. We want to evolve you from wherever you're at to a higher standard performing with that firearm. 
So um, everybody should ultimately just absorb that mentality of, you know, hey, man, let's let's be honest. You've taken I don't know how much of your money and invested it into the toys. You might as well have a software to know how to operate. Right. You got all the exactly. hardware. Exactly. Come exactly. get some of this software. So um, and then don't be afraid too, man, to uh, even in your area, are there any ranges around you, like any outdoor ranges or land that your friends got or anything like that? There's there's one probably about 25 minutes away. Last time I checked, it was a uh, membership only. Okay. Um, but um, like I said, I've been researching this for last few months. There's also a um indoor facility uh closer to me that has um all kinds of classes. Um, but like I said, I I just want to get to your point earlier. I'm just not going to give you money and then you just do whatever for the next three hours. I actually want to learn. I want to become a better shooter at the end of it. I want to leave the class going, Hey, I learned something. So, um, I'm just doing my research right now. And, uh, hopefully the summer I'll be able to come down to Atlanta and, uh, we can have that Jay-Z and Nas conversation in person. <laughs> <laughs> I might take your gun first, but yeah, we can. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Put that down. Now, what'd you say? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm good. Jay, you got anything? I like, yeah, I think we, we, we had a great conversation. Yes, we did. Uh, KD, I, I greatly appreciate you, sir. Um, Hopefully we can do this again. And like I said, I am seriously planning on this summer spending some time down in Georgia with you uh, learning. So uh, real quick, give the people all, all your information where they can find you, um, websites, all the all the that stuff. OK. Uh, and it was great being on with you guys as well. I really appreciate the, the, the relaxed conversation. Normally my conversations are heavy the entire time. So I enjoy this. Um, <laughs> The, the way to find me on all your social media platforms, I am most active on Instagram, but the way to find me on all your social media platforms is The Real NOC. So The Real NOC for no other choice. Uh, if you are uh, on the internet, it's nootherchoice.com. Not only can you go over there to see training classes and different things we're doing, you can also get things there. Um, uh, flashlights, magazines, anything to accessorize your, your firearms or swag. We have a ton of swag over there as well. Um, let's see. Other ways to, to get me would be to shoot us an e uh, email, info at nootherchoice.com. And that's it, man. I try to keep it real streamlined and triple. So if you plug in uh, the real NOC or go to nootherchoice.com, you're going to find me. I'm, I'm out there. Please do. Please look up this brother. Support. Um, real quick, Milk, we got any shout outs? Um, I can't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't write any down this week. So. You never write them down. Terrible. Just terrible. Uh, real quick, shout out to We're the Weird Ones podcast. Excuse me. Um, also, shout out to Chill. He is in Philadelphia right now handling some business. He cannot call in via the player phone. So, yeah. But um, when you hear this on Mad Player Monday, can all wish me a happy belated birthday. Oh, yeah. That's my shout out was for, this, for this week. Uh, it's Soup's birthday. Oh, well, happy birthday! Happy birthday! Thank, th thank you, KD. You're welcome. You, you on the other hand should should be embarrassed. I mean, I hang, hang your head in shame. We're, we're we're recording this ahead of time, and this will come out. Yeah, now. yeah. But you forgot. It's okay. It's okay. Well, I forget. I just I knew when it was. I just know that it's not now. Whatever. All right. As always, follow us on Instagram. Uh, Mad Player Podcast. 
You can find our solo individual accounts there. And keep a play about everything. It's Mad Player Podcast. We out. Thanks.